That was great. Thank you, girls. Our first teacher today is going to be Lori McKinney. A long time ago, when this fellowship first started, we met at the 124 Music Store, and that was the first place that Rod visited. Rod and Lori were going to the Calvary in St. Joe and were happy there, um, but they sort of felt like maybe they should support what was going on here. And the very first night that Rod came, I think you'd had some kind of surgery, Lori, and you couldn't come. And maybe it was Tanner. Was Tanner born at that time? It was close around there. And I remember that almost everybody goes to Walmart to fellowship after church. And we would see Rod and Lori there, and Tanner always wanted to get into our cart. And he would get in our cart, and he would just shop with us until we were ready to go. So we've known Rod and Lori for a long time. They've been active in this fellowship for a long time. And uh, one of the best things that they're known for is heading up the children's ministry. They've both been very dedicated to that. So Lori, it's all yours. Well, I'll start out by saying it's a lot easier to teach in the children's ministry for some reason than it is to um, stand up here before all of you ladies, but um, I'll do my best. You bet. Oh, yes. Oh, yep. This is so I don't fall down. Okay. Okay. Um, I would like to start by praying because if I don't, uh, anyway, the Lord just needs to be with me up here. So uh, let's just start by praying. Oh, Lord God, please fill us all with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, um, I just pray that um, I just speak your words this morning and nothing more, nothing less. Lord, um, you're so good and so perfect, and um, we just want to fall in love with you even more than we do. So, Lord, um, I just pray that you be with with each one of us this morning, and um, Lord, that you come alongside us, you fill us with your perfect Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, you guys all have a sheet of paper that has Bible verses on it. I think we put it underneath that little book. And that's just so that you don't have to flip through your Bible while I'm teaching. It's got every single Bible verse, um, every cross-reference that I will be teaching on. So it's just right there in front of you. And um, I'm going to be teaching this morning about complete surrender. Which, it's kind of funny because when Jenny asked me to share with you guys this morning, the Lord kept putting it on my heart that I was supposed to teach about complete surrender. And I just thought, this is something I don't have down. (laughs) There's no way, you know, I don't, I mean, I feel like, yeah, on my best day, I'm surrendered to the Lord, but on my worst day, I'm not. And so I thought, how can I teach on complete surrender when I don't have it down? 
I don't know if that's something we'll ever completely have down, like until the day we die, and then after we die, we'll be like, oh, this is what it's like to be completely surrendered to you. I get it. But anyway, going through this entire study helped me so much as far as surrendering, just completely surrendering. In fact, I told a friend of mine that I was going to be sharing, you know, at this study, and she's like, oh, cool, what are you teaching about? And I said, complete surrender, and she's like, oh, gosh, how are you going to do that? That's so hard. And I was like, oh, great. I don't think the Lord's going to tell me to do anything that I'm incapable of, so we're just going to go with it. Um, Okay, so... And that's funny that that is something that we struggle so much with because it's kind of ironic um, that we struggle with surrendering, which surrendering actually means just the opposite of struggling. But as women, um, we seem to try to work everything out ourselves rather than just admitting to God that we don't want the burden of trying to work everything out. And um, we just want to surrender every single problem we have to him. And a lot of times we'll do that, and then it seems like we pick it back up. And we're just so much better off if we can just lay it down and just surrender it all to him. When it comes to struggling in the flesh, um, surrendering is actually a lot more effective than any striving that we can ever do, obviously. Surrender is about ending striving and struggle and laying all of that down and just trusting God with our entire lives. To me, a perfect example of total surrender is where, in the Bible, where Peter says, see, we have left all and followed you. And what Peter is saying here is we've left the entire world behind and we're just going to follow hard after you, Jesus. And I think that's all of our heart. That's what we all want to do. We want to leave anything behind that's not of Jesus, and we want to just follow hard after him. Okay, so the word surrender is usually used as a battle term. It implies giving up all rights to a conqueror. And we we all know that um, when an opposing army surrenders, they lay down their arms and the winners take control of them. We also know that this world is a battleground. Romans 8.21 tells us that since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, the world God created has been in conflict with him. But here's the thing about completely surrendering our lives to our creator, God. He's already won this battle. So surrendering actually means accepting that the battle is won and giving your life over to the winning side. God has a plan for our lives, and surrendering to him means we set aside our own plans and we eagerly seek his. The good news is that God's plan for us is always in our best interest. There are dozens of scriptures out there that back this, that God's plan is the best. But I chose Jeremiah 20, 29, 11. And if you've ever bought a scripture um, graduation card, you know this verse, <laughs> because every scripture graduation card has this verse on it. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. 
unlike, that's the verse, but unlike our own plans, which often lead to destruction, his plans are absolutely perfect for us. Okay, so back to surrender. There are different levels of surrender that we all go through in our walk with God. Each one of these levels affect our relationship with God. Um, I'm going to go through three of these levels, and most of us in this room have already been through the first two. But the first initial surrender is to the drawing of the Holy Spirit, which leads to salvation. John 6, 4, 4 is where Jesus says, No one can come to, come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So our first act of surrender is when we are drawn to Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, we get saved. Then second is when we let go of our own attempts to earn God's favor, and we rely on the finished work of Jesus on our behalf. Then at that point, we become a child of God. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him... To them, he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Then third, and that's kind of where we're all at. We're all somewhere in this third. I mean, if you're already saved and you've already given up your attempts to earn God's favor, you're in this third stage. And the, the third are times of a greater surrender during a Christian's life that bring this deeper intimacy with God. This surrender causes us to have a greater power in our service for the Lord. Galatians 5, and 23 is, of course, where um, it explains to us what the fruit of the Spirit is. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then all these other attributes fall into that. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, guys, we exhibit these traits of God's character. The more areas of our lives that we surrender to God, the more room there is for the filling of that Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again because I think that's super, super important. The more areas of our lives that we surrender over to God, then there's more room for all these traits that I just read out of Galatians. So the more we surrender to God, the more our old self-worshipping nature is replaced with one of these traits that resemble Christ. Um, God demands that we surrender the totality of ourselves. He wants all of us, not just part of us. He wants our heart, our soul, and our mind. Jesus said the greatest commandment was this, Matthew 22, 37. Or 37 Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. I'm going to kind of pick that apart. We're going to start with what he starts with, which is he wants our whole hearts. The first disciples truly surrendered their whole hearts to Jesus. What is your whole heart? It is where your love and devotion comes from. 
Jesus wants us to follow him in such a way that he is the true passion of our lives. Is there anything in your life that you are more passionate about than Christ? Christ wants your entire heart. Loving Christ with all of our heart means a true relationship with him. So not only give Jesus your whole heart, but your every thought, which brings us into um, Jesus said that we are to love God with also our mind. We don't often think of loving God with our minds, but this is vitally important. The most important thing about you is what's going on up here in your mind. More important than how you feel is how you think. As women, we are very in touch with how we feel. What we don't realize is that how we feel is so often driven by how we're thinking. The greatest battle in life is found in your mind. So often, Satan seeks to defeat us through our thought process, which makes us confused and often deceived. This is why the Apostle Paul encourages us Romans, in Romans 12, 2. It says, to be, tra- or it says, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He also encouraged us in 2 Corinthians 10, 5 to take every one of our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. We need to reformat our mind so that we can think in accordance with God's word. Our hearts have this passion for Jesus, but if we don't learn to think biblically and theologically, we're going to lose a bunch of these spiritual battles that we're going through on a daily basis. Some of you may really love Jesus, but you remain bound by the enemy because of an undisciplined thought life. Learn to love God with your mind by reading his word, embracing his word, believing his word, and hating the same things that he hates and loving the exact same things that he loves. Your thought life is absolutely critical to your spiritual life. Okay, how can we love Jesus with our soul? That was the third thing. Giving our soul completely to Jesus, it tells us that's where we find rest. There are many things out there that burden us as women. It may be money problems or trouble at work or painful family situations or our health. I mean, there's dozens of other things that burden us. Um, Often we feel completely worn out, not just outwardly tired, but inwardly exhausted because of all these things. In Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus doesn't say that our difficult situations that we're in are suddenly going to be resolved. Instead, his promise to us is if we come to him, he'll give us rest. 
He'll give us rest, it says, even for our souls. This is a deep rest within us. The rest that we find by taking the Lord's yoke and learning from him is for our very souls. It's an inward rest. The rest the Lord promises is much more than the rest that you, we might experience by stopping our busyness or whatever activity we're doing. But because the rest the Lord gives us is inward, we can, be, we can go ahead and be very busy or in a difficult like outward environment, yet enjoy that inward rest the entire time. Whatever our situation, when we come to the Lord, we find a rest that is for our very souls. In fact, this rest is not merely something he gives us apart from him. It is actually like our real rest is actually Jesus. It's actually he is our real rest. God gave us his Holy Spirit and it lives inside of us. So Jesus said that his followers must deny themselves. Mark 8.34 says when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let them, let him, sorry, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So what does this mean to deny yourself? It means putting others before yourself and no longer being selfish. If you want a life of complete surrender, that means denying yourself and serving others like Jesus did. Such a life of surrender is not only pleasing to God, it also results in the greatest human fulfillment. The time that you invest in other people whether it's your parents or your husband, your children, or just people in need, this time, guys, is so very pleasing to God, and it results in such, it's such greater fulfillment than you can ever imagine. So the first question I have for you all is, um, do we really want this complete surrender? Do we want to be changed do we want to totally turn our life over to Christ and just completely live for him? If so, what does that look like? First, we have to let go and trust God with every aspect of our life. You may ask, what am I letting go of? Well, let me tell you, we serve an absolutely perfect God who doesn't ask us to let go of anything of worth ever. Um, he's not going to say, like, give me that huge gold nugget you have. And he takes it and he hands you an ugly rock. That's not our God. In fact, it's just the opposite. We think that this ugly little rock we have is so valuable. But when we hand it to him, we have no idea what he's going to do and bless us with whatever, the huge gold nugget or whatever it is. Um, I was going to tell a story here. <laughs> I'll go ahead and tell you guys. Years and years ago, I had chickens. And um, I had dogs and cats also at the same time. And uh, this is how the Lord takes care of us. Just that's what this whole story is about. Um, I would go out every night after supper, and I would throw out scraps, you know, to the chickens and dogs. And, of course, the dogs ran up first and would grab all the good meat and 
everything great out of it. And then the chickens got to pick around. Well, there was an old, old mama cat that always just kind of stood in the back. And every single time she would stand back there. And every time I threw out these scraps, that mama cat would get nothing every single time because the dogs were the most aggressive. And then the chickens would come in and they'd peck around stuff. Even when she came up to get stuff, those chickens would peck around her and she would end up just backing up and she would get nothing. And so after like, I don't know, a while of doing this, I noticed that she would stand back, watch everything, and then she would just quietly kind of go back to the barn, you know. And I got to thinking, well, this isn't working. I've got to take care of her. She's old and she's had dozens of litters of kittens, you know. And I thought, no, 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 this isn't going to work. So after supper, I would save all my scraps all day long. And after supper, I would get to where I would take the very best, like, fat and meat scraps and everything, and I'd cut them into little pieces, and I would go out, and I would throw out everything, and then I would go and scoop her up, and I would put her on the railing, and I wouldn't even let the dogs around. I'd be like, nope, you guys go on. She's eating. And I'd put this little bowl out, and I just wanted her to get the very best of what I was throwing out. And I did this for quite a while, and then the Lord just made it so evident to me that that's his heart with me. And if I don't strive to get the very best of everything, if I'm not pushing my way through and trying to get the very best, he will totally take care of me. But when I'm up there striving and trying to get the best out of the world, he stands back and says, go for it, you know, kind of like I did with the dogs. You guys can take care of yourselves, you know. But it's when I would stand back and be like, God's got me. I'm not going to strive. I'm going to lay it all down and just let him take it. Well, then I got the very best instead of just getting the scraps. And God just put that on my heart so strong at that time that I was like, I got it, God. I got it. You're, and don't get me wrong, God loves me so much more than I could ever love that cat. I love that cat. Don't get me wrong there either. But God, you know, he, he takes care of us so much more than I could ever take care of an old cat. So anyway, got to tell you that little story. Um, Colossians 3.8 tells us some things about what we're supposed to be letting go of. Because I just got through telling you we... we you know, have to let go and just let God. Okay, Colossians 3.8 tells us to take off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, and lying. These are some things that God says, it's yucky. It's like that ugly rock that we hold on to and we're like, no, I can't give you my ugly rock. Even though he's got this huge gold nugget for us. Nope, I'm not going to give you that ugly rock. Well, this is some of those ugly rock things. Um, then Philippians also tells us to um, give up selfish ambitions, worry, striving. These are other things that we're supposed to give up. Um, and then back to Colossians, right after that, um, verse 12 of Colossians 3, we have a list of the things that we're supposed to put on. Um, tender mercies, Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, and forgiveness. And guys, most of these things are not for us. 
These are things so that we can serve others better. And I'm telling you, that's, <laughs> that's the secret. I mean, in my 54 years of living here on this earth, you're not happier than when you're serving others. I think to do this, it starts every morning when we wake up, maybe before we even raise our head, when we're lying there trying to organize our day in our brain, the very first thing we need to do is to ask God to just fill us with his Holy Spirit. Now, we all know that sleep is a recovery time for our brain, and without sleep, our brain does not work properly. Well, I don't know about you guys, but without sleep, my brain does not work properly. Um, I'm not a morning person, so reading God's word within the first five minutes after I wake up is not possible. I seriously cannot see the first five minutes after I wake up. And I don't even speak for the first at least five minutes that I wake up. Um, anyone who has lived in my house can tell you this. Um, it takes my brain quite a while to, you know, clear all that night murkiness. So personally, I find it helpful to stay in bed and ask God to fill me with the Holy Spirit before I ever set my feet on the floor. Now, knowing this about our mornings, let's read Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. It says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Now, the ancient Greek Septuagint tells us that Jeremiah wrote Lamentations just after Israel had been taken captive and Jerusalem become desolate. So Jeremiah has just seen God punish his people for their wickedness. Um, he saw Israel involved in idolatry and pagan worship. Um, then he watches the Babylonians come in and completely destroy Jerusalem. So Lamentations 3.22 starts with, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. So even though God is righteous and just through all of this, he's merciful. And Jeremiah says here that our merciful God is compassionate, and he has new mercies and compassion every single morning for them and us. So we have to re-surrender every morning, and God will be faithful to have brand new mercies for us. So Jeremiah is talking to God, and he says, great is your faithfulness. Well, I'm here to tell you, on my very best day, I think my faithfulness is good. <laughs> but um, God is always faithful. Jeremiah knew that God's faithfulness was great all the time. So God's always faithful. He'll never, ever fail us. And his faithfulness has absolutely nothing at all to do with our faithfulness, which thank, thank him. Thank God for that. Um, it says in verse 24, and I love this part. When I picked apart all of this and just studied it, line by line, I was like, this is so cool. I don't know how many times I've read this. I don't know how many times I've sang this song, 
But when I picked it apart, okay, verse 24 says, the Lord is my portion. It doesn't say what the Lord provides for me is my portion. It says the Lord himself is our portion. And then it says, says my soul. My soul says this. The deepest part of me knows that because I have the Lord as my portion. Therefore, I hope in him. So we need to remember that no matter what happens to us, God is our portion. And that's something that nobody can ever take from us. I love that. Um, now knowing that God's mercies are new every single morning, I uh, have a really cool thing to tell you that I learned a few months ago. Okay, I'll start out by telling you I'm kind of a brain geek. I love to know how the brain works. So I started following this neuroscientist podcast, and it was actually to find out how to fall asleep faster and stay asleep is why. Yeah, that's why I started. But I ended up learning so many cool things, and um, it was just like facts about our brain. So here's one of them. For years, neuroscientists thought that we were born with every single neuron in our brains that we would ever have our entire lives. But recently, they've discovered that our brains actually create new neurons while we sleep. Um, then when we wake up, we tell these new neurons what neural pathways to make by whatever we do first that day. Um, now... If we wake up and start our day off with anxiety or depression, fear or worry, then that's the pathway that these neurons make. Or we can assign these new neurons to prayer, to talking to our creator, to learning God's word, and doing God's will for our life that day. Learning this, I'm just going to tell you, absolutely changed my way of thinking every single morning. I'll be honest with you. I used to wake up and I would scroll through my phone until I woke up enough to read my Bible. After I learned that I got to assign these new neurons to anything, I chose not to assign them to Facebook. Um, and instead, I started praying until I was awake enough to read his word and start studying scripture. So what does this mean? It means that each time we wake up and invest in the wisdom of God, it makes a pathway in our brain. And when we make enough of those pathways, then we don't find ourselves reverting back to that wrong path constantly because our brain actually has these new paths that it can take. And I feel that that's how we change that old, simple, selfish behavior. And we get that deeper relationship with God. And we get that life of complete surrender. Mark 135 tells us that Jesus would rise early and withdraw from everyone and talk to his father because he was not only fully God, he was also fully man, and he knew what he needed to do to perform his Father's will that day. So gals, we are not only made in his image, but we can ask to be filled with him every single day. In fact, I ask multiple times a day. Um, and 
Okay, I'm kind of going to end with all of this. I'm going to end with a verse from the beginning of time, which is Genesis 1.26. It says um, that God said, let us, and us, of course, talking about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. It says, according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. I'm here to tell you, I've read Genesis hundreds of times. In fact, when I was a new believer, I was like, I'm going to read the entire Bible, and I'd make it through Genesis, maybe Exodus, and then I'd start over again. Or I'd go, okay, I'm going to Matthew in the New Testament. So I've read Genesis hundreds of times, um, and I don't know that I've ever zeroed in on or ever even realized that God made female in his own image. For some reason, my entire walk, I thought, well, he made man, he took a rib out of him, he made us. No, it says right here, he made male and female in his image, which is super cool. Anyway, um, you guys are probably like, yeah, we already knew that, but that was super cool for me. Um, this verse starts with God saying, let us make man in our image. Okay, in ancient times, an emperor might command statues of himself to be placed in remote parts of his empire. These symbols would declare that these areas were under his power and his reign. So guys, God placed each of us as living symbols of himself on earth to represent his reign. This interpretation fits well with the command that follows. It says to reign, and it says it lists all those things, everything that God has made, we are to reign over. Now, let's talk about the next line. It says, according to our likeness. Um, in John 4.24, Jesus tells us that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Since God is spirit, there can be no image or likeness of him in the normal sense of these words. Indeed, image making was later strongly prohibited because of its clear ties that it has with idolatry. We may not make any images of God. Why? Because he's already done so. We are his images. It is we who are in his likeness. This is the reason God values people so much. We are made to reflect his majesty here on earth. Knowing this, that we are put here on this earth as living symbols of God, let's walk as just that, representing God to our family, our coworkers, and everyone we come in contact with. Wherever God has placed you in this world, know that you are his image and you were made to reflect his majesty here on earth. 
So completely surrendering your life to him is just exactly what we were all made for. Now I'm going to leave you with a blessing that I want to pray over each one of you. And it comes from number 624. And it's where um, the Lord tells Moses, he says, I want you to tell the priest, I want you to go to Aaron and tell him to bless the Lord's people, the Israelites, with this. And I love this. It's, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give each of you his perfect peace. I absolutely love that. Okay, now we're going to close in prayer and um, let's pray. Oh, Lord, help us to completely surrender all that we are and all that we have to you. Lord, we want to live in your peace and have your joy. Lord, we want to hate the same things that you hate. Lord, we want to love the same things that you love. Lord God, we thank you more than anything else for your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray all of these things. Lord, I also want to bless this meal that we're about to eat. Lord, I want to lift up each one of the women who prepared something for this. God, thank you for their servant heart. Lord, um, please bless this meal to our bodies. And um, like I prayed before, Lord, we are more thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, so that we can spend absolutely forever with you, eternity with you in heaven. So it's in Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.